Hello. Can you hear us? Oh, good. I've got a special treat for you this morning. I don't know if we can just lean in, but here I have Toby Ridge <laughs> and I have Isaac Ridge well, and, and I have two of the Ridge chickens. <laughs> oh, I'm going to ask, uh, oh, there we go. <laughs> Tom asked me just to give you a, a kind of brief update really about um, how things are for us uh, as, as a family and uh, and so I asked the boys to come and be uh, be with me as, as part of that and they've <laughs> they've brought some extras so um you um probably know that um that the boys and I are a, a, a part of the church family at St Christopher's and for the last um couple of years I've been working through with the Diocese of Birmingham uh the, <laughs> the process of um of ordination um and uh, and recently in the in the last few months I've been uh, offered um the opportunity to uh, to to train to uh, to to Ward's ordination. Uh, since I spoke to you last, I've had two college open days and two interviews and have been offered a place at both St. Um, Christopher's College, but that's not right, at Queen's College, uh, which is here in Birmingham, and also at St. Melitus College, which is in London. So obviously we've said all the way through, this is something that we do as a family. You know, it's it's something that I'm working towards. Um, it'll be me that's ordained, but it's something that we have to do as a family. And, uh, and you know, the boys are, um, you know, kind of keen that, that they have a, uh, a say on where our pets fit in with this. Isaac's got paper round, which he's very keen to keep up. They obviously are very settled at school and want to keep that. Uh, I have kind of, um, you know, my job and things like that to consider. So we, we just wanted to say thank you this morning because you have been, you know, so faithful and so supportive in, in praying for us and, and helping us practically up to this point. And, and really, you know, there's there's still a lot to um, to kind of sort out. But, you know, we, we're just really excited that kind of God has brought us to this point And we're kind of trusting that he will help us uh, to kind of see this through, really. So, yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to share with you really just um, that in the last few months, particularly at work, I've been much more open with some of my colleagues about my faith really. And, you know, I've taken some annual leave and I've taken some days off to attend uh, things like the BAP and the um, the open days and everything. So it's, you know, been sort of things that we've had to, to talk about. And um, to be honest, I've been really surprised by the, the warmth and the support that my you know, work colleagues have, have offered me. And I just wanted to share with you two things that I've just found particularly encouraging that I, I think, you know, just give me a little uh, taster of, of, you know, how good God is in, in just, um, you know, helping me see what kind of ministry might be like in, in the future. But between Christmas and two year, between Christmas and New Year, two of my really dear work friends had things that were very difficult happen in their family. One of them lost her dad, and I shared with her the um, uh, broadcast that Rowan Williams put out. I think when a thousand, hundred thousand people had died of, of COVID, um, and she found that she's a woman who who has no sort of faith, but she found that really comforting, and we were able to talk and pray together. Another one of my really dear friends has got a daughter who's in the late stages of pregnancy and her partner tested positive for COVID. 
Um, and she came to me and asked if for 10 days we could pray for like her daughter and, and her unborn baby. Um, and I said, of course, I would pray and kind of felt like I put myself a little bit out on a limb and said, you know, how would you like it if we phone each other and pray together each day? And, you know, she, she was delighted with that. And at the 10th day, she asked if we could meet on the 11th day just to say thank you to God because her daughter and her baby were were fine. Um, and I, I just think, you know, that you don't have to be ordained or applying to be ordained for that to happen. But, you know, I, I really don't think they probably would have. I don't think those people would have asked me that if I wasn't in that situation. And so I just really felt that that was, you know, in the kind of all the bureaucracy and the trickiness of things that we're kind of having to sort out to kind of move towards ordination. You know, God just gave me this little taster of kind of what, you know, what ministry and what service you know, with him and for him would be, would be like, and, and I just, I'm so grateful for, for that, yeah. Okay, the boys and the chickens have left. <laughs> um, I'm going to just um, take a minute or two to pray, and, uh, and then perhaps we can look at this passage together. Father, we thank you for this time together this morning. We thank you that you say your word is a light unto our feet. And in these uncertain times, we need that light. We need your guidance. And I pray this morning that for somebody, for everybody here, there would be something of your word, which would be a light unto their feet today. Amen. Okay. So this series of sermons that we're kind of in the middle of at the moment, is, um, is thinking about some of the surprising things that Jesus has said in the book of Mark. And this is where being on Zoom is a good thing for you all, because if we were in church, I might have asked you to put your hands up or to shout out about some of the surprising things that we've considered already, but you're let off the hook. <laughs> has anyone had anything surprising happen to them recently? In some ways, I feel like at the moment, everything is surprising because, you know, who would have imagined 12 months ago that we would be where we are today? And in other ways, I feel like every day is the same. And, and often people use that expression, don't they? But being like Groundhog Day, where, where the, the same things just kind of happen every day. There's that similarity and sameness to every day. In preparing for today, I was thinking that kind of broadly speaking, there are two kinds of surprises. The good ones, and maybe you can think of some of those. I was thinking, you know, like an example might be that you go to the cash point and there is more money in your account than you realised. Or that you go home and your nearest and dearest has cleaned the bathroom or cooked the dinner. And these are kind of good and nice surprises that we welcome. On the flip side, there are the opposite kinds of surprises. So maybe you walk in home and instead of the dinner being lovely, you smell burning and the dinner's overcooked and is spoiled. You wake up and the house is cold and the boiler is broken down. And to be honest, these are not pleasant surprises, are they? These are things that you could do without, surprises that you could do without. So today we're thinking about this passage in Mark chapter 6, verse 37 particularly, where Jesus says to the disciples, you give them something to eat. I wonder what kind of surprise this would have been to the disciples. <laughs> a more cash than you would have expected kind of surprise or coming home to a broken boiler kind of surprise. So we're just gonna take a bit of time and think about this together. 
At the start of Mark chapter six, we read that Jesus returns to his town, hometown of Nazareth. And we read that on the Sabbath, Jesus started to um, teach in the, in the synagogue. And this part of the text isn't really part of the study for today. But I just, um, as I was reading, it was just so encouraged because, you know, in the text, it says that Jesus, that the crowds recognised Jesus as the son of Mary and Joseph. And the people he was ministering to, it says they knew his brothers and sisters. And I just think in this lockdown time, haven't we perhaps spent so much time with our family, either physically, if they've been in our bubble and we've been at home together or kind of on Zoom and things like that, that we have spent so much time with our family. And, you know, this just really made me smile, encouraged me that Jesus knew what it was to be part of a family, didn't he? he? He knew that. And just in these, again, you know, funny times, isn't that just really encouraging? In verse seven, we sort of start to to um, kind of find out um, some of what the disciples are going to do. And, uh, and it tells us that, that Jesus sends out the disciples effectively on a mission tour. <laughs> I was really sort of taken aback to um, read these verses because um, it, it made me smile. Some of you might know that I was in um, YWAM for a while and we used to do um, mission trips. You know, we used to go out and do evangelism. Uh, that, that was kind of part of what Youth With A Mission um, did. And if you were going out on a mission trip, you know, there was a lot of preparation. You would take tracks or, um, you know, sort of evangelical tools that would be relevant to the people that you were going to, maybe in different languages or different formats. You might take aid or gifts to the kind of community that you're going to minister in. There certainly would have been a lot of prayer and kind of worship preparation. But instead of any of that, Jesus says to the disciples, take nothing with you on your journey except a stick. No bread, no beggar's bag, no money in your pockets. I'm really not being funny, but who can imagine setting out on any kind of a journey without these basic supplies? If I go out even for the day, I want to know that the car is full of fuel. I would most likely take my cash and my cards. I would most likely take a rucksack, probably a cooler bag. (laughs) And uh, I would not have been comfortable to just head off with nothing. But Jesus tells his disciples, doesn't he, that you go out two by two, you take a stick and, and basically the clothes that you're standing up in, nothing else. In verse 30, we hear about the return of the disciples. I just felt like it was really notable that Mark describes so briefly what it is that they've undertaken while they've been been away from Jesus. So he he briefly mentions the fact that they've been preaching, that they've delivered people of demons, that they've healed the sick. Mark literally says the apostles returned and met with Jesus and told him all they had done and that they taught. That's it. (laughs) That is all that Mark says. And this really, uh, really identified to me how different Mark was to me, because I tell you, if I had written this gospel, it would have had a lot more descriptive and excited narrative. I mean, can you just imagine all that they'd seen and that they had done? I just think my gospel would have had a lot more exclamation marks and surprised and excited emojis. I thought Mark is 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 kind of really minimalist in, in the way that he uh, describes all that has gone on there. What is really evident is how excited the the disciples are to be back with Jesus. And that really struck me that this is what Mark describes, not what they've been away doing, but the fact about how they feel when they come back. I love the fact that after all that the disciples have been doing, 
Jesus tries to take the disciples away to a quiet place, a place where they can rest and just be together, perhaps where he can teach them some more. I love the fact that, that, that Jesus recognised the disciples just couldn't keep on indefinitely going and indefinitely giving out. It made me think that all these miraculous things were amazing and fantastic, but actually what Mark emphasises here is the strength and restoration which comes from spending time with Jesus, from the relationship with Jesus, from being close to him. This is what Mark really emphasises. One of the um, notes in my Bible when I was looking at this says, you know, the miracles are the fruit but not the root. And I thought that was just such a great description there. I'm only a very amateur garden, but I know that the root is really important. Without that, you get no kind of plant itself. You certainly get no leaves and you certainly get no fruit. And, you know, the root is the bit that's kind of hidden underground, but it's integral to everything else, isn't it? And I thought there's a real note for us here with regard to our relationship with God that the root is the bit that's really important. And to many that's unseen. And, you know, the fruit is fabulous, but that kind of comes after we've got a strong and healthy root. So we read that the disciples and Jesus set sail in a boat somewhere far away from the crowds. But despite this, when they land on the other side, a large crowd had already arrived, had already gathered. And we read that instead of kind of sending them away, Jesus teaches the people I just thought, you know, the disciples were already tired. We read about that when they return back from their kind of mission trip. And that's why Jesus drew them away. I thought, imagine how they feel at this point. I also love the fact here that Jesus had made a plan. And, you know, how many times has this happened to us when we have plan A and, you know, it doesn't come, <laughs> doesn't come about, does it? We end up on plan B or plan C. And I thought, how great is this that our Jesus had to adjust to a changing circumstance? That gives us, you know, kind of great encouragement again that Jesus knows what life is like for us. In verse 33, we read about how Jesus spent time with the crowd. He describes them as sheep without a shepherd. I love the way that the people are attracted to Jesus. I don't know how far it was from where he left, but you know, there would have been no texts with there. There would have been no emails. There would have been no phone calls. You know, how, how did those people know that Jesus and the disciples would be arriving on the other side of the lake? There was some kind of sort of jungle grapevine, wasn't there? People were attracted to Jesus. They wanted to be where he was. And how amazing, you know, Jesus didn't turn them away. The Bible says that he was filled with pity for them. And in, again, my commentary, it says that that filled with pity is, is the, the sort of interpretation of that is that he was inwardly moved, that he saw the needs of others. What an example of compassion that that is, that Jesus demonstrated there for his people. As we read on in the passage, it does kind of make me smile because there's a point here where I think actually I'm starting to be able to associate with the disciples. They are just human people, aren't they? They're human men and they have had an exhausting and very long time. They are tired and that they understand that the people who are being ministered to by Jesus are also hot and hungry and tired. And the disciples suggest to Jesus that he might want to let them go to sort of dismiss them for the day so that they could go to the local villages and farms and to get something to eat. And instead of Jesus agreeing, this is where we get this really 
um, surprising statement. Jesus turns to these disciples and says, you give them something to eat. So not, yeah, great idea. Let's send them off to get something. Not, I'll sort out a miracle, <laughs> but you give them something to eat. And I just think, you know, how surprising would that have been to, to those disciples? And I thought it was brilliant when we were listening to Rachel um, read, you know, that the the, um, the disciples were, were thinking, you know, that it's eight months worth of salary to go and buy bread. And out there in the countryside, where would they have bought enough bread for all of those people? There's this great description, this great narrative between Jesus and the disciples. How can we provide this food? How much money would it cost? Where would we get it from? They think very humanly. And, you know, I kind of thought this was quite incredulous that these disciples had been gathered, that Jesus had sent them out. They'd come back and they gave testimony to all the miracles and things that had happened. Yet their first response was, how can I humanly meet this need? Not about anything kind of miraculous. We then hear that incredible story of, over, of how over 5,000 people are fed. And I literally never tire of listening or reading to that story. I love that verse. I love those verses. And there's one in particular that as I was preparing just really sort of struck, struck me. It says, and so they ate and were filled. They didn't get a snack, did they? They didn't just get something to kind of nibble on that just would kind of, you know, temporarily kind of avert their hunger. They ate and they were filled. I love the fact that Jesus had spent that time spiritually feeding the crowd. He'd spent time talking to them and teaching them. And now he feeds them physically. They had enough, he says, that they ate and they were filled. And isn't one of just the most incredible things that happens here is that there are 12 baskets full of fragments of bread and fish left over. So we started with these men who were literally sent out in the clothes that they stood up in and a stick. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, they've been out, been on their mission trip. They've crossed the lake with Jesus. They've, they've been part of this incredible teaching of this crowd. And Jesus uses them to make sure that these people are fed and not only fed, but there are 12 baskets left over. Isn't that just incredible? Isn't that our miraculous and surprising Jesus? So a few things just to sort of go back to just as we kind of recap. So the disciples and the crowds came with nothing and leave with 12 full baskets. There was more than that was needed. And like I just said, I, I love this picture of these 12 disciples who were sent out in the clothes they were standing up in, who returned to Jesus. And then they walk away from this um, from this feeding of the 5000, each carrying a basket full of leftover bread and fish. They came with nothing that Jesus used them. People were fed and there was plenty left over. This is our surprising Jesus. And doesn't he just offer the same opportunity for us today? The other thing I kind of wanted to go back to was just a reminder about how incredible the miracles are, the services. But in this chapter, Mark draws us back to Jesus. Jesus is our root, that root that is hidden kind of underground that maybe isn't visible for many to see. Whereas the miracles and the feeding of the 5000, all those things are exciting, aren't they? They're, they're visible for people to see, but actually the root that's kind of hidden away is where the strength is, is where those miracles come from. 
So Mark just calls us back and reminds us of Jesus as our root. And I felt like there was a real word for us in the season that we're in at the moment with regard to the pandemic. How amazing that Jesus just calls us as we are. It's about who we are and our willingness to serve him far more than any experience, resources or supplies that we bring ourselves. In the case of the disciples, Jesus didn't even ask them to bring the things that, he, that they had. He said, you know, leave your beggar's bag behind, leave everything that you, you have behind you, just come as you are. I find that just amazing that at the, at the moment where so often we feel like we don't even have enough, perhaps always to care for ourselves. That, you know, Jesus invites us. He says, just come as you are. Make yourself available to me. Let me bless you and send you out and you will be fed and you will be part of feeding others as well. And for me at the moment when we're in this time of pandemic, that is quite an incredible offer that Jesus makes us. I led the prayers a few weeks ago and I think in there I shared with you the end of the carol in the bleak midwinter. And I just um, shared with you just how that has ministered to me recently. And just as we, you know, kind of bring our time together to a close, I just wanted to, to share the end of that carol with you again. So it says, what can I give him, poor as I am? If I were a shepherd, I would bring a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. But what I am, I give him, give my heart. And I think this story, these verses in Mark today, just remind us that if we are willing, then Jesus will train us and teach us and use us. He could have undertaken that ministry himself, but he chose to use 12 human and fallible disciples. And that gives me great hope and encouragement that he will also use us. Just pray together. Thank you that you are the Christ who invites us, who welcomes us and accepts us just as we are. You meet all of our needs and through us, you also meet the needs of others. We praise you, our amazing and always surprising God. Amen. <laughs>